What's going on guys? It's Nick here, back with another video. It's Friday, so time to go game by game, talking about the wide receivers I'd be starting and sitting this week. We'll start things off with the Germany game. Uh, I figured it was a London game in the last video, just looking at the schedule, seeing the time, uh, but apparently they're playing in Germany this week. Makes absolutely no difference, but you know, both are neutral locations, doesn't really matter, figured to mention it. So, Seahawks against the Bucks, 44.5 point total, Bucks three point favorites. The Seahawks, uh, you're just always starting, Lockett, always starting, DK Metcalf as wide receiver twos. They're not both going to go off in every game, but they combined for such like a massive share of the Seahawks targets and they basically split it very close to 50-50. Each one of them has, you know, a ceiling that can just win you the week. Both of them could go out there and score like 30 fantasy points. And the floor is actually pretty decent with both of them as well. Like just, just start them every week. I don't care what the matchup is. And nothing about this matchup that says, ooh, got to avoid them. Then for the Bucks, uh, I mean, basically the same story. Like just start Evans, start Godwin every week. They've been pretty unlucky so far. And even still, they're not cratering your lineups. Like they're still being pretty good even when they're having down performances. Uh, both of them have an insane target share, really good touchdown odds. Um, you know, just start these four. There's really nothing else to say there. Next game, Broncos at Titans. Uh, this game has an incredibly low. So usually when we talk about these like low total games, it's like, ooh, here's a 39, you know, 38 point total. That's very, very low. This one's at 36.5. I want to say it's either the lowest or the second lowest total we've seen all season. So do not expect a lot of scoring in this game. Titans are two and a half point favorites. For the Broncos, Judy has two solid games in a row, while Sutton has three duds in a row. So lately it's been trending a little bit more towards Judy. Judy also has only three fewer red zone targets than Sutton, only one fewer inside the 10. So the gap between these two is shrinking a little bit. On the season, the stats do still lean towards Sutton, but again, that kind of gap is going away. Hopefully, during the bye, the Broncos figured out the offense at least a little bit, but it's still just such a terrible game environment. And while I believe that, like, we're going to see the Broncos lean pass heavy. That's like the saving grace almost here. Like if we didn't think the Broncos were going to lean pass heavy in this matchup, just given that like the Titans are so good at defending running backs. I mean, this would be like a complete stay away because we have no idea, you know, where this production is going to go for like a spiked week, if the spiked week is ever going to come. And when you couple that with like such a bad game environment, it's like the odds that anyone scores is so low like picking the guy that scores me difficult this week if we're only expecting like two to three total touchdowns in this game and so no one's going to grade out that fantastic if you look at that right now i have sutton 31st judy 37th and so they're fine and again being in a game where it is against a pass funnel is going to help but the hope really is just that this like offense gets back on track from you know, really never being on track this season. I guess to, at the very beginning of the season, it was a little bit on track in the passing game, but like they've just never put it together. Hopefully it did in the, uh, in the bye week but yeah, they're both like in that like 30 to 37 range. Maybe that increases throughout the week if we kind of give them a boost in the matchup, but I'm not expecting it to. They're both just like low end flex plays. You really need a touchdown from one of them. Then for the Titans, 
I think Tannehill's going to play, which obviously is going to help. Like basically when Malik Willis is starting, you just cannot play any of the wide receivers. Seems like Tannehill will be back, so that's good. Unfortunately, he returns to like one of the most difficult matchups there is. They are at least at home. That's a positive, but I mean, playing against Denver, like that's a brutal, brutal spot. Expect low passing volume in this game, low efficiency. Like I would just stay away from all of the Titans pass catchers. Next up, we've got Browns at Dolphins, 48.5 point total, so a higher total game. Dolphins, 3.5 point home favorites. For the Browns, uh, it's only Amari Cooper. Uh, it's on for people's drones. Like, he's had okay games sometimes this year. And if he happens to score a touchdown, because I don't think he has one on the year, then his numbers won't look that bad that week. But he's maxed out at 10 half PPR points. And so the ceiling just isn't there. And he still does have duds. And so you can play him and you can play players that are getting the type of volume he's seeing because like he has been a little bit unlucky to have not scored a touchdown just understand that like again through week nine we're entering week 10 his best game of the season if you get that this week it is 10 half ppr points you can probably find that somewhere else you can probably find a higher ceiling somewhere else uh, but cooper obviously has shown the ceiling he's a classic boom bust wide receiver too that has honestly had a lot of booms this year uh in the games that he scored he's got 21 20 17 12 21 fantasy points those are really good numbers in the games where he hasn't scored obviously it's bad three one and nine but you know that's what you're getting with Marty cooper he's gonna go out there if he doesn't score doesn't a good game it's gonna be like two or three fantasy points it's not gonna be that great and you know you just kind of have to accept that really because when he does score when he does have a good game He's got like 20, 21 fantasy points, and that's really, really good, especially for where you draft him. You're probably playing him in like the flex. He's like a perfect flex play. You want that upside. I know the risk is there, but in this spot, I mean, the Dolphins are such an explosive offense, such a good offense. You have to think that the Browns are going to be trailing at some point. They're projected to be trailing, and if they are, they're probably going to have to throw the ball. Who do they throw to? Amari Cooper. So you think this could be one of the boom games. It's not a lock, but you know it's a good spot for him. And then the Dolphins, it's easy. Just start Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle every week. Next up, Saints at Steelers. Low, 40-point total. Saints, one-and-a-half-point road favorites. For the Saints, I think Landry's going to play. Uh, pretty tough to know right now. Again, I record these noon the day before. He was limited last week, though, so that's why it's like tough to know. Like He's limited so far this week, but he was last week, too, and didn't play. Um, but again, I think he's going to play. Not a huge deal either way. I'll say that like his target share when healthy is going to be higher than the other secondary wide receivers for the Saints. But at the end of the day, you're not playing Landry. And whether he plays or not, you're playing Chris Olave. So it doesn't actually have a huge impact. It would be a very, very, very small negative to Olave, but so small that like it might be like a fraction of a reception. You know, one to two receiving yards. It's not going to be enough to just not start him. Then for the Steelers, it'll be interesting to see what their target share is when uh, Claypool is gone. My guess right now and what I have projected to happen is that that third wide receiver spot is going to be like rotate a little bit. I don't think one person steps in and gets all those snaps. Uh, we might see one player get like most of them, but I think you can rotate a little bit in that third wide receiver spot. And then that player is not going to see the same target share that Claypool did because, again, targets are earned and they're not going to be as good as Claypool. And so maybe that like position, I guess you could say, gets like 10 to 12% of the targets. And that leaves like, you know, around 5 to 7% for Deontay, 
Pickens, Fairmuth, and then the running backs. But I would expect it mostly to go to Deontay Pickens and Pat. And so if you take 5 to 7% of the targets and you put it on those three, no one's getting like some insane upgrade, but it stabilizes the floor for everyone and it unlocks a higher ceiling. Before, everyone has a high ceiling theoretically, but like if you take away Claypool, you're taking away a player that even in his bad games is getting a few targets. There's a chance that like what if Deontay just goes off, they completely ignore these like tertiary options at wide receiver and they just keep focusing on Deontay. That gives them a ceiling of like, you know, 12, 13, 14 targets in a game. Same with Pickens. Maybe you take Claypool off the field and he's featured more in the red zone. He has a game where he has two touchdowns and 100 yards. So just like it unlocks a little bit more and makes them more appealing as wide receiver twos, as flex options. Right now I have Deontay 25th, Pickens 29th. Um, and I would feel very comfortable starting either one of them as either a low end two or like in the flex. I'm starting Pickens for the first time in a while this week. Next up, we've got the Lions at the Bears, 48 and a half point total Bears, three point home favorites for the Lions. Uh, it's really just a Moner St. Brown, and I would feel comfortable starting him as either a low end wide receiver one, maybe a high end wide receiver two. After trading away their best defensive players, the Bears have given up 49, 39 points in the last two weeks. They are very clearly, obviously, not as good of a defensive team when they're missing their best defensive players. That makes sense. That's kind of contributed to why Fields is really breaking out right now because, well, the defense has been so bad that teams are able to get up, they're able to score, and it's forcing the Bears to be more aggressive. And then also, obviously, the fact that, like, um, in you know after the buy they finally started giving him like designed runs who knows why that wasn't happening the last two seasons but it is finally happening now so he's been fantastic and basically you just look at this game and you're like okay the bears have given up over 400 yards per game over the last two that's terrible only two other teams have done that all year and one of them is the lions and so you've got these two horrendous defenses you've got two teams that I don't want to say are juggernauts, but have really good individual players. And especially the Lions are like a well-coached team. And so you've got two teams that could easily both score into the 30s. And so when you've got a game environment like this, it's not a lock to go off, but it's got a good chance of going off because do we really expect these defenses to slow down anyone, let alone uh, these offenses that have talent on them have explosive playmakers. So I would say that for the first time in a while, I think that you can actually flex Darnell Mooney. He's been playing better recently. I think you can use him in the flex. Like I said, you can start a Moner St. Brown, definitely. Um, I would say beyond that, if you're in a 14-team league, if you're in a 16-team league, you can get to these secondary options like Claypool, um, maybe Reynolds if he plays. I don't know the whole injury status right there. We're going to find out later in the week. Uh, but like guys like Khalif Raymond, it's like you can get into those secondary options in deeper leagues because of the game environment. But I would say for everyone in like 8, 10, 12-team leagues, Motor St. Brown start, uh, Mooney, you can start him as like a, a flex option just because of the game environment. And then it really is like the running backs like we talked about in yesterday's video. They're going to be good. And then Fields at quarterback, that's who you want to be starting. I would say as we expand into the secondary options, 
fine, but most of you don't need to go there, even being, you know, such a good game environment. The one that people are going to ask the most about is probably Claypool. Um, I would just say, like, if we knew he was going to play all the snaps, I would probably like him as, like, a, you know, low and flex. But he played 35% of the snaps last week, and that's just not enough for me to say, oh, he's definitely going 100%. Could it happen? Sure. But what if he only goes to 50%? Now you have a part-time player on what is still a very low-volume passing attack, even if they're going to be efficient. Next up, we've got the Vikings at the Bills, 43.5-point total. Bills only 3.5-point home favorites. They opened as 7.5-point home favorites, just to kind of give you some context here. Every single day, it's been falling by a point. It was 4.5 yesterday. It is 3.5 now. We will see what happens. It seems like either Josh Allen is not going to play or he's going to be limited. And if he doesn't play... We're going to have the Vikings for the fourth time this season facing a backup quarterback. It's like the Vikings and the Jets are two teams that just played all the backup quarterbacks. They've been super lucky at when they get those matchups. They've been good and they've like won those games. They still deserve those wins and everything. But, you know, the, the Vikings aren't an amazing team. They've taken advantage of some very timely injuries. For the Vikings, though, obviously, Start Justin Jefferson. Uh, and then Thielen liked him last week in that good matchup on the fringes this week. And when you have an on the fringes player against the Buffalo Bills, especially in Buffalo, I mean, I don't really care if Josh Allen plays, Josh Allen doesn't play. Like the defense is still absolutely fantastic. It's going to be very difficult for Thielen. I would say it's Jefferson or no one. And it's like similar for the Bills. It might just be Diggs or no one. Uh, that one's going to come down to Allen. Though. Like if Allen is out, Start Stephon Diggs. That's absolutely fine to do. You should be doing that. But a secondary option, I mean, you know, they're not going to be as good. Uh, and even the secondary options right now, like even with Josh Allen playing, they don't always hit. And so just Diggs if Allen is out. And then if Allen plays, I think you also are probably just doing Diggs. You could play Gabe Davis as a very high upside flex option, but he'd be even more risky than normal because we know that if Allen plays, he's definitely not 100%. Next up, we've got the Texans at the Giants, 4.5 point total. Uh, Giants are 5 point home favorites. For the Texans, Brandon Cooks should return this week and then keep an eye on Nico Collins. Uh, Nico was limited in practice on Wednesday. Looks like he's going to practice on Thursday, but I don't know if that's going to be full or limited. Uh, you're not starting Nico, so it doesn't matter like a ton, but him returning will at least help the offense. It'll make them a little bit better, um, you know, boost their scoring chances, boost their ability to stay on the field, total yards will go up. Like it just makes them better. Uh, but you know, you're not starting him unless you're in like a super deep format, especially the first week off injury. Um, and honestly for this game, it's just like not all that appealing. Like both passing attacks are low volume. They're also not that good. And then both defenses are totally fine like neither one has like an, a super tactical defense through the air like on the ground just run all over the Texans which is why we also don't think there's been many pass attempts for the Giants and so right now my rankings have it Cooks 37th Wandell 41st Slayton 43rd Nico 51st and so for a lot of you you probably have three wide receivers that rank inside the top 30 or at least the top 35 and so you're probably just looking at this game saying I'm good. We're going to see a ton of rush attempts. You know, the quarterbacks will even scramble at times. And it's like, you know, these wide receivers will get some volume, but you're praying they score. And none of them have that fantastic of scoring chances. So 
if you really need to, Cooks, Wandell can be played in the flex. Uh, I would prefer not to. Final 1 o'clock game is going to be Jaguars at Chiefs. 15.5 point total, Chiefs 9.5 point home favorites. For the Jaguars, uh, Christian Kirk has a 23.5% target share on the season and is a wide receiver 9 through week 9. The Jaguars are also like pretty likely, it's not a lot, but they're 9.5 point road underdogs against a really good team. They're probably going to be trailing. And so you've got a player having a really good target share, has produced, has been used in the red zone on a team that's trailing. Probably going to throw it a lot. I mean, I think Christian Kirk, again, this week, a really solid wide receiver, too. And then I'm not super pumped about the secondary wide receivers on this offense. Like, Zay Jones is the best play, but he's got 8.9 yards per reception. That doesn't leave a whole lot of room for upside. Even if you rack up five, six receptions, that's for hopefully 60 yards, you know? It's like there's no real upside there. And so Zay is fine as a low-end option in full PPR leagues, preferably deep full PPR leagues. But you're probably just benching all non-Christian Kirk wide receivers on the Jaguars. For the Chiefs, Juju has been a lot better recently, but I don't want people to overreact to the 12 targets last week. Mahomes threw the ball 68 times. That is his most in his career by 14. He had 14 more pass attempts than the best game ever in his career in terms of pass attempts. That is very unlikely to happen again, especially this week. So expect closer to that like seven to eight targets for Juju. Turn that into like five or six receptions. Hopefully he has another busted play, scores a touchdown. Um, Though Juju's touchdown odds really aren't as high as they seem because they don't really go to him in the red zone. And like it's the running backs, it's Mikael Hardman, and it's Kelsey. It's very rarely Juju in the red zone. Um, Again, enough volume, highest volume on the wide receivers to be started as like a low end two, maybe in the flex. Uh, but I think for non-Juju wide receivers, it's kind of tough. Like Hardman has had the touchdowns recently. I think he has what, like five touchdowns in the last three games. So that's really good. And they've been like scheming him the ball close. But aside from the touchdowns, like the target share is so low. The target expectation is so low that he 100% needs a touchdown or else he's going to score like five fantasy points and you don't love that so definitely only a flex play uh but if you need them they've been scheming the ball when they get close so it's not a terrible option and then for like tony every week they're gonna get him more and more involved but until we see him play more than like nine snaps like he needs to go out there and play at least 40 45 percent of the snaps but i'm gonna trust him when he starts playing 50 60 percent he's gonna be a really high upside option but until we get to that point you gotta just keep leaving him on the bench Four o'clock games kick off with Colts at Raiders, 42.5 point total, Raiders, six point home favorites. For the Colts, there are a lot of unknowns. They've got the new head coach, uh, or at least interim head coach. They've got, you know, zero staff members that have ever called plays before, so that's not fantastic. But it's not like things can get worse, right? Like, they're not going to go out there and just call four verts every play and be like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I have no idea what these plays are. Like, I mean, they had no idea what they're doing before. So, really, it's not going to look that much worse. Um, they're also playing, you know, a much weaker defense. Like, the Raiders are not a matchup that you're scared of. Obviously, the Patriots were going into New England. Like, that was a horrible setup. The Raiders have no pass rush. Uh, they have no secondary, like... If they were going to succeed, it's it's against the Raiders, right? Especially through the air. So I think Pittman is the only one you really want to start. Like I like Alec Pierce long term. 
I like the talent of Paris Campbell. I don't think you can really trust either of them this week. Uh, but, you know, Pittman's a really good player. Uh, he's getting a good target share. I'd be fine if you had to play wide receiver two in the flex. I think that's absolutely fine to do. Again, there's going to be way less pressure on Eilinger this week. And so he should have more time, should feel more comfortable, and he's going to have less pressure against a weaker secondary. That's just going to lead to better playing. Um, for the Raiders, pretty much the same as every week. Uh, doesn't matter what the matchup is. Play Adams. It's not a good matchup, but again, just play Adams. Uh, and then just no other wide receiver gets enough volume. So whenever Adams is healthy, like you just really can't start any of the Raiders wide receivers. Cardinals at Rams. Up next, this game has a 41.5 point total. Rams, 1.5 point home favorites. For the Cardinals, obviously start DeAndre Hopkins. And then Rondell Moore. He's coming off another really good game. And I think you can start him in the flex. He has seven, eight receptions in back-to-back games. He now has just one game with less than eight targets over the last four weeks. That's very encouraging. I still don't 100% trust him. Like I just cannot get behind him as a 100% play. But I have him ranked 29th. Uh, that means he's not like a slam dunk must start for everyone watching this video. Again, many of you have three wide receivers that will rank inside the top 25 this week. But he's been much more involved the past few weeks. Again, having at least eight targets in three of the last four, that's very encouraging. And honestly, now that I think of it, it might be four of the last five. But more confidence in him this week than I had last week. If the targets continue, we'll keep having confidence in him. Definitely a better play in full PPR than half PPR because like he's got all these targets, but they're very close to the line of scrimmage. And so when he has these receptions, they're typically not going for 30, 40 yards. They're very close. So he needs, you know, seven, eight receptions to get up to 70 or 80 yards. And even then in half PPR, that's not like fantastic with a touchdown. So you prefer him in full PPR, but in half PPR, he's still the wide receiver 29. Then for the Rams, Cooper Cup and no one else. Uh, the Cardinals have been a lot better at defending Cooper Cup than pretty much any team. Like historically, when he plays the Cardinals, um, at least like in you know his recent matchups, they've been good at stopping him. But it's not stopping him really. It's just like slowing him. So instead of 120 in a touchdown, he might have 85 in a touchdown. Like he's still Cooper Cup. He's still gonna be great. He's still gonna start him. Uh, and like I said, no other wide receiver for the Rams is really getting like enough volume to trust. Final four o'clock game is going to be Cowboys at Packers, 43 point total, Cowboys five point road favorites. For the Cowboys, always start CD Lamb. And then Gallup is like a fine lower end option this week. Uh, I think if you had to play him this week, that's totally fine. I'm not in love with him, but he was up to 84% of the snaps in his game before the bye. You have to think this is the healthiest he'll be all season. And so, while there is a wide range of outcomes, and that range of outcomes does include one catch for 20 yards, his range of outcomes also includes like six for 90 and a touchdown. Like he, he could have 100 a touchdown this week. He could have two touchdowns this week. It's not an elite matchup, and we're not expecting like, you know, 30 points, let's say, from Dallas. And we're also expecting them to be winning and maybe run the ball more in the second half. But he's a good talent. He's a red zone weapon if you had to play him, which I do, and I believe my 16-team league, I'm totally fine doing it because I think this is, again, the healthiest he's been all year. Then for the Packers, uh, Dobbs is just not going to play this week. I think he's a high ankle sprain. He'll be out for a while. Uh, and then it seems like Christian Watson will be good to go, so he'll be out there. But it's just such a bad matchup against a really elite 
Dallas defense on you know a Packers offense that hasn't been able to do anything so far this season. I think it's Lazard and no one else. You can use Lazard in the flex because like he's Rogers' favorite. He's got touchdown upside. He's got big play upside. He's most talented among the wide receivers that'll be active. And so you can play him in the flex. Beyond that, I'd probably just bench everyone else. The Sunday night game will be Chargers at the 49ers. This game has a 45 and a half point total. 49ers, seven point home favorites. For the Chargers, uh, Mike Williams will be out. I would imagine Keenan Allen will also be out. And so that will leave uh, Josh Palmer, DeAndre Carter, and Michael Bandy as their three wide receivers. Carter, Bandy, fine in super deep leagues if you need them. Uh, 8, 10, 12 team leagues, you probably don't need to go there. Uh, for Palmer, he's the best play, but he had a much better matchup last week. So even though the underlying opportunity metrics will be similar or the same or even maybe better than last week because he played really well, the matchup is significantly worse. And so he graded out, I think end of week, he was like a mid-range wide receiver too in that like 15 to 17 sort of range. This week, he's later than that. He's probably like five to seven spots behind that because the matchup is more difficult. I'm not saying that like the 49ers are some incredible defense, but they're getting healthy now and, you know, he played the Falcons. That was like the dream matchup basically for wide receivers, maybe behind like the Lions, but like you want to be facing the Falcons. And so, you know, matchup gets way worse. He's the worst play, but he's still totally fine. Low and wide receiver two flex. You can still use Palmer this week, just not as good as last week. Then for the 49ers, uh, Debo practiced in full on Wednesday. Looks like he's practicing on Thursday. We'll see what that is. If it's full again, like he's probably going to play this week unless he suffers a setback. Uh, so you're playing him as a low end one. And then I would say Ayuk grades out very similarly to Palmer. For both of them, you probably need a touchdown for them to pay off. But like, you know, for Ayuk especially, San Fran, third highest team total on the week. Uh, he's someone they will use in the red zone. Like he's got an okay chance of scoring. And like I kind of talked about, I think in the running back video, they're going to be efficient, like especially through the air. Like they're going to be so good on the ground. They're like a good running attack, and it's a matchup where you want to attack on the ground. So they're going to be fantastic on the ground, and that's going to set up play action. Their play action is going to be on point this week. I would expect them to have a really, really good game. The volume is the biggest question mark for the 49ers pass catchers because they're just not going to have to throw the ball much, but the efficiency should be so high that. Again, I think you're starting Debo, and I really would be fine starting Ayuk as well. The Monday night game is going to be Commanders at Eagles, 44-point total Eagles, 11-point home favorites. For the Commanders, uh, McLaurin and Samuel are 26th and 32nd for my wide receiver rankings right now in half PPR scoring. Both obviously have brutal matchups against a truly elite Eagles secondary, and I really wouldn't feel great about starting either one of them. Uh, just for reference, Palmer, Ayuk, I have both of them, guys we just talked about, ranked ahead of both commanders wide receivers this week. Like Philly is just one of those defenses where if you can, just try and bench wide receivers going up against them. Then for the Eagles, always start A.J. Brown. And then Devonta Smith, he's a lower end wide receiver too this week. He's coming off two straight down weeks, but the commanders are a clear pass funnel. Uh, the Eagles should be able to like win no matter what, like whichever way they want to attack, they should be successful in it. But the commanders are a pass funnel. Uh, and in particular, they've had a really difficult time stopping opposing wide receivers. Smith does still have a 23.5% target share on the season. And so even projecting him a little bit below that, 
given the matchup, he's grading out as a wide receiver 21 this week. So definitely, like, he's just a player that has a lower floor than we'd like, but the talent is elite. The, the matchup is just, like, fantastic. And so I don't think you have to play him. You could still have, you know, three wide receivers in the top 20, but I would say if you're kind of forced to start at wide receiver two, I have to play him. And the second flex spot in one of my leagues this week, I feel totally fine doing that because the matchup is really good and he's still a really good player. He's going to have a game for the rest of the season where he has like seven for a hundred and a score. It's going to happen. He's too good not to make that happen. And it could happen this week. So that is a breakdown of every game this week. You can see my detailed rankings and projections on my website. They will be updated throughout the week for the latest news that we get as far as injuries and opportunity shares are concerned. And I'll be back tomorrow to go over my favorite plays this week. But that, my friends, is in this one. Hope you all did enjoy. If you did, hop on the like button. Hop on subscribing to the channel if you're new here. But thanks for watching.